It is the 200 level episode 181, catching up with Corey. That is our special guest. You know who? Corey Bradford, one of my all-time favorites. And we are not just having him on to catch up, which is always fun to do, but we're having him on because Fourth and Kirby is launching a new collection of t-shirts they call Illini Legends. And Corey is the first one. I would say he's underrated, but I think most Illini fans have the proper place in Illini basketball history for Corey Bradford. He is a legend, and he was that bridge between Lon Kruger and the Bill Self era. Massive amounts of success and really helped springboard this program into the top 15 program that it was for really the first decade of the 2000s. So Corey is going to join us here in a bit, maybe 25, 30 minutes into this thing. We'll talk about the t-shirt, which is one of the coolest t-shirts I've ever seen. To try to paint a picture, it's a great t-shirt. It has a likeness of Corey Bradford and his infamous shooting stroke. And it says that's a three with a bunch of E's, if I recall, like Jim Shepard would say it, Corey Bradford. So it is super cool. I'm going to be getting a copy of it myself, a copy of a shirt. Can you get a copy of a shirt? And here's the other cool thing. There are going to be some very special edition versions of this shirt. I cannot say any more other than the fact that there will be some lucky Illini fans when you order this shirt. And of course, you can do so this Wednesday, which is March 3rd. So that is 3-3. There you go. Corey Bradford, the best three-point shooter in Illinois history, you could argue. And that will be March 3rd, available at fourthandkirby.com. Use coupon code 200 level for 10% off your order. So we're excited to have Corey on today. We'll talk about a bunch of things, including the process of actually getting your likeness on a t-shirt. And this is the start of something really cool the 4th and Kirby will have going on. And I'm excited to see some of the other Illini legends that they're going to bring on board. But knowing the quality of their shirts and their sweatshirts, their design ability, this is really going to be cool to see these things pop out as they do. And we will be, of course, there every step of the way and letting you know when a new Illini Legends t-shirt drops. So we're excited about that. I'm also excited, of course, about what happened yesterday. So I'm sitting here. This is about noon on Sunday. This will be out Sunday evening, Monday morning. And this is kind of the pre-Michigan podcast, but I'm still basking in the glow of what we saw yesterday against Wisconsin. There are many reasons to be optimistic. Now, it was a warts and all kind of win. It was a messy win in a lot of respects. 20 plus turnovers. Wisconsin had 21 more more shot attempts than you did. By most measures, you probably should have lost that game when you factor in Demetra Trice going for 19 points in the last 210 of the game, which, by the way, I've never seen an individual do that in a two-minute stretch. It was very Reggie Miller-esque, and I don't even know if Reggie Miller had a moment like that. So here we are up 12 with 210 to go. And at that point, you would control the game. And I think most impressively for what Illinois did yesterday, every time Wisconsin got it within, let's say, seven, eight points, Illinois punched back. And the second half in particular was impressive because whatever kind of mojo they seemed to find in the last five minutes of the first half, that seemed to extend throughout really the entire second half. That team, that Illinois team was playing well yesterday. Wisconsin was not playing well, but I think you had quite a bit to do with that. The Illinois defense, the intensity was there most of the day. Wisconsin was struggling to get uncontested shots. And I'm not going to take anything away from what Trice did at the end. But let's not call that a Wisconsin comeback. That was a once in a lifetime two minute stretch for a single player. Illinois was not choking that game away. You can call it a fake rally for Wisconsin, but I'm not going to call that a fake choke for Illinois. I think that they did almost everything right. And a couple of those final threes that try shot, by the way, Adam Miller on one defended it perfectly. 
He was right up against him, hand in the air, did not jump, so there wouldn't be a foul. I don't know how much better you can defend it. There was, of course, the banked three. What can you do? And you still won. And and I don't know if this is irony. As an English teacher, I should probably know a little bit more about what's irony and what's not. But you won with 10 consecutive made free throws. That's been a bugaboo all year for this team, and that is what closed the game. So we called that pod Stone Cold Closers. Cold as in Cole Center. And that's what Illinois did yesterday. Without your best player in the court, they closed the game, and it was a team effort, truly. I know that's a bit of a cliche, but when you have Andre Corbello, the freshman, he was a star yesterday, by the way, four for four from the line in the final 44 seconds. Trent Frazier, who had struggled offensively yesterday, he goes four for four from the line, and Grandison icing on the cake. And by the way, that came after what may have been the most heads-up play of the game, when Trice actually gave the ball up they're down 72 to 69. They give the ball up to that Anderson kid. And fortunately for you, you fouled him. He goes to the line to shoot two with 1.6, I think, left on the, on the clock. And if that was intentional, that is a brilliant play. And it honestly would not surprise me if Grandison knew exactly what was going on there. There was a lot to unpack. That was a great game. But I think more importantly, the long-term ramifications. I say long-term, I mean the next month. And I also mean the next three years of Illinois basketball. I am taking a lot of stock or putting a lot of stock into the last few games, especially with the way that Andre Curbelo and Adam Miller played. And I think that you should feel, as Illini fans, more optimistic after the last 72 hours than you did entering that Nebraska game. So a lot to talk about and an interview with Corey Bradford coming up at about the 25 or the 30 minute mark. We're excited for that. Before we get too far into this, a reminder, the 200 level is brought to you by DP Doe online at dpdoe.com. Use coupon code Mike for $5 calzones, $6 premium and construction zones, and DP Doe delivers anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. So go on to dpdoe.com for a custom zone, any toppings you want, or one of their favorites like a Maui Wowie or a buffer zone. Again, coupon code Mike for $5 calzones at dpdoe.com. Excuse me. I'm having some coffee here. Almost uh, had a hiccup. I think we're good now. Fourth and Kirby. Of course, we're talking with Corey Bradford in a bit about the brand new shirt dropping on Wednesday at fourthandkirby.com. You're going to be able to use coupon code 200 level for 10% off your order. And that goes for any t-shirt or sweatshirt at fourthandkirby.com. Get your new Lucky Illini t-shirt. You need a full array of Illini swag as we enter March. It's tomorrow or maybe today by the time you're listening to it on Monday. It's March, so you need some great Illini shirts and sweatshirts, and 4th and Kirby has the hookup. Again, use coupon code 200 level for 10% off your order at 4thandkirby.com. State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. Life, auto, home, business renters, you name it. Every sort of insurance, uh, well, they got it. I'm not really an insurance expert, so I need to defer to people that know what they're talking about. And we did just that with Brian and his staff. Homeowners and auto bundle, we got great state farm prices, but more importantly, the personalized service made it so easy. So go to brianismyguy.com. That's brianismyguy.com for state farm agent Brian Hansen. Finally, uh, Rector Construction, that's R-E-C-T-O-R construction.com. It's going to be that time of year, home projects, everything from a new roof to a crawl space inspection and everything in between. Go on to Rector Construction. Dot com. That's R-E-C-T-O-R construction.com for a free estimate. Not only are these guys really good at what they do, but they're also the kind of uh, business that gives back to their community. They've been around for a while. These guys are local products. So for East Central Illinois, uh, for the Champaign-Urbana community uh, especially, 
these guys have been terrific. Uh, there was one moment back during the blizzard that we had a couple weeks ago. They were going out the next day and just basically uh, plowing out people's driveways. This, this is the kind of thing they do. So uh, knowing a few of them, I can vouch for the fact that not only are they good at what they do, but they're good guys. So go to rectorconstruction.com today for a free estimate. Alana Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network partners with the 200 level. All right, we got the formalities out of there. One more, rating and review. That's on Apple Podcasts. That helps us out a lot. Got a lot of positive ones in the last few weeks. Uh, last few weeks, yeah, and we appreciate it. So thank you guys for that. Okay, let's talk about the game yesterday. It's a Saturday at Wisconsin. I woke up with a good vibe, and it reminded me a lot of five years ago when there was a late February, mid-February game against Michigan State. And without Ravante Rice and without Aaron Cosby, you went up there and you won. And I remember going for a run on that Saturday morning and thinking, I think we can win this game. And there wasn't really much juice behind that gut feeling. It was more just a gut feeling. Well, Now, this one, I thought there were a few more things pointing in Illinois' direction, namely the matchup. And it seemed to me that the win that you had against Wisconsin back in January, or sorry, that would have been early February, three weeks ago, that was not a fluke. That was a team that is a bad matchup, or you, I should say you're the bad matchup for them. They cannot match your athleticism. Illinois' offense is one of the best in the country. That's the thing we forget sometimes. We have one of the best offenses in the country, and our defensive intensity is not a good match for a Wisconsin team that relies on shooting well from the field. They are not going to get easy buckets, and Illinois made sure of that yesterday. So from a matchup perspective, I liked it. But there were obvious things going against Illinois yesterday. Namely, Iowa was not available, not that we were surprised, but also it was senior night for this Wisconsin team that was more desperate for a win than you were. This would have still been a marquee win of sorts for Wisconsin. There would have been the footnote that you beat Illinois without Iowa, but they need a few more quality wins if they want to maybe end up on the five line. I think you're looking at a Wisconsin team that if they aren't careful, they might be down by more like a seven or so. So as I settled in for the game yesterday, I didn't necessarily expect an Illinois win, but I felt good about the prospects of it. And then you go up, what is it, 12 to 2? Even though you turn the ball over seven times in the first four minutes of the game. And I'm thinking, okay, it's going to be a weird game, right? And you could probably gather that from the early going. But I did not expect that Illinois would just maintain that lead, despite the fact that they turned the ball over 21 times, that Wisconsin would shoot the ball or have 21 more shots than Illinois did, and that Wisconsin would grab 11 offensive rebounds, which was very uncharacteristic for an Illinois team that's been good rebounding the ball this year. And yet you did. You held them at bay. And apart from the Demetri Trice explosion at the end of it, you controlled that game, being up as much as 15 with four to go. And again, I really want to emphasize that was not a near choke job by Illinois. I really don't believe that. And I'm not just saying that with my orange colored glasses on. We are not going to see a single player close a game like that for an opponent. At least I hope not. I've never seen something like that, and uh, it, it was impressive what Trice did. But the rest of the Wisconsin team just kind of stunk, and I'm encouraged at the fact that you had a lot to do with that. This Wisconsin team, I know they have faltered down the stretch, but their two worst losses have been against you, and I think that says something. This is a good Illinois team, even without Io. Let's start with the obvious guy. Kofi is someone that, as I'm listening to Jeremy Warner and Joey Wagner, they did their podcast after the game yesterday. And I'm just, you know, soaking and, and basking in the glow of that victory. I'm listening to it. And they mention at the end, oh, right, by the way, Kofi, 19.7 boards. And we grow accustomed to this. We get so used to it that sometimes I think we forget to mention, oh, Kofi was terrific yet again. He missed some bunnies. 
I know Wisconsin was throwing the kitchen sink at him. And while Reavers and Potter couldn't guard him one-on-one, they kept sending doubles down there and getting physical. Not dirty, but they were physical against Kofi, and that's what other teams are going to do. I thought Kofi overall handled it well. In 19-7, and that speaks for itself. Not his best game, but still spectacular. I mean, when you can count on that from Kofi, and you've been able to in this Big Ten season, I think back to November and December in the non-conference, I was a little concerned that Kofi had not made that many improvements from the year before, and that there were even moments in that, um, in terms of his touch, his hands, and uh, his touch around the rim especially, I thought he had even regressed a little bit compared to where he was last February and March. Well, since the Big Ten season started, he has been terrific. He should be a first-team All-Big Ten. He should be second-team All-American. And if I'm Brad Underwood... I'm making that pitch to him now that next year you would be one of the favorites for National Player of the Year. That's how good he would be. Kofi immediately raises you from, I think, what would be a tournament team next year, some way, shape, or form. He immediately raises you to a top 15 team and a favorite in the Big Ten. We know Io's gone. If Kofi comes back, that's a very dangerous Illinois team. So let's start with him because I don't want to forget what he did yesterday. And I don't want to continually gloss over. And I think we all do this. We just assume, well, Kofi will get his. But that's not easy. Even when you're that big, it's not easy to go out there and get it. I know he struggled from the line again. He was 5 for 10 or 5 five of 11, one of the two. And that is a concern. There's no doubt. Uh, but overall, the guy had that run, especially in the early to mid part of the second half, that helped you extend that lead. So Kofi, terrific again. Another veteran. And I'll use that uh, term for Kofi because even though he's a sophomore, he's played every game or started every game since he got here. Let's mention DeMonte. Now, I'll start with the bad. And that was the technical at the end. I was very frustrated when we saw that happen. And you could hear that on the podcast. I was ticked off because it seems like he has embraced this role of enforcer almost to the extreme where I don't want him to do something um, that he's going to regret in terms of a technical foul or a flagrant in a late game situation in the tournament. He plays with that fire. You got to love that, but there has to be a way to channel that and know when to use it. And so I don't know what Alondo Tucker said. He might've said the worst thing in the world, but I still would hope that DeMonte as the fifth year senior. I mean, he's been here five years now would not engage with that. Let Alondo, let Alondo Tucker's dumbass get the technical. I mean, that's fine. Which, by the way, I had no idea that he was an assistant on Wisconsin. But anyways, 12 points for DeMonte. This is the bigger news, I think. Yes, that was a foible at the end of the game, but he had 12 points following up an eight-point game against Nebraska. Two for three from three. Two for two from the line. Four boards, four assists, one turnover. He's playing good ball right now. Playing very good ball. And I think what I'm most encouraged by with DeMonte is that he recognized that this is a situation where someone else has to go get buckets. And he embraced that. And the little step back 20-footer, the long two that he had along the baseline, have we ever seen him do that? We're seeing him take it to the lane and throw up little floaters and make some of them. I don't know how much he's going to need to do that in tournament games. But to have that in your arsenal, I would hope that gives him the confidence that, yeah, even when Io's out there, along with Adam Miller or Curbelo or Frazier, you have a role offensively and you can score. So I'm, I'm super encouraged by DeMonte. Keep in mind, before the 20 points he scored in the last two games, he was scoreless at Michigan State, three points at Minnesota, five points against Nebraska, uh, North, Northwestern, excuse me, and zero points at Nebraska. And if you go back further, five points, four points, no points, three points, 
what he was doing in November and December, he has not really been doing since. So it's very encouraging to see him hopefully gain that confidence again offensively. If he's open, he needs to shoot. And I think that the last few games may be beneficial when it comes to that. The star of the game, other than Kofi, because Kofi's Kofi, would be Andre Corbello. And by the way, if you hear something, that's we're getting a little work done in the house. So I don't know if that's cutting through the mic or not, but Andre Corbello was 17 points, seven boards, oddly enough, only one assist, six turnovers. Let's let's just get that out of the way. I think he had two or three of them in the first minute or two. So the other way to look at that is the last 25 minutes or so of his game time, he played really good ball. He took care of it. He added he's adding that polish to his game. We know he's raw. We know he plays at a frenetic pace. But he can channel that, and it seems like he's starting to do that. The more he plays, the more comfortable I feel watching him out there, the less I kind of clench up like, oh, God, here goes Andre again. No, he was so good. In the second half, one of the best halves I've seen from him all year. And here's the key. Four for four from the line, and he shot the first, of, the first four of 10 free throws that Illinois made. This was when Trice was in the middle of just a barrage like I've never seen. And Andre Corbello stemmed the tide, kept them at arm's length by making those free throws. Clutch. Two steals as well. He was great defensively. The steal and the two-hand dunk, that's a moment. And that's where you look at a kid like Corbello and think, you know, I think we'll be okay in a post-IO world. He seems to embrace the alpha dog status. That seems to be something that he plays well into. And that leads me into Adam Miller who is an alpha dog himself, I think, maybe more of a quiet personality, but I think he and Corbello play off each other well. And we saw that yesterday, where Adam Miller has had a polish to his game all year. And while he was quiet offensively, six points on two or three shooting, one for one from three, I I want him to get more attempts. But he had five boards. He played great defense. He is looking more and more comfortable out there. And we're starting to see some consistency, I think. If you go back over the last few games, his weak point was at Michigan State. And I will chalk that up along with the scoreless game against Iowa, oddly enough, as those freshman moments. But I'm starting to see that consistency on defense. And when you look at his three-point shooting as well, I mean, for the most part, he keeps chucking him up there, right? He was two for eight against Nebraska, uh, and he had, uh, what is that, 18 points. But I'm starting to see him get more comfortable with the mid-range game and more comfortable taking it to the rim. So, while I was worried about him being a bit of a one-trick pony this year as just the three-point shooter, kind of like a Richard McBride type, instead we're seeing him kind of diver- diversify what he can do offensively. Trent Frazier struggled, uh, off- offensively at least. He's his same old self defensively, but four for four from the line at the end of the game. That, <laughs> that cures what ails you. Like anything, any issue that I might have had with Trent offensively earlier that game, I think not being assertive enough. There should not be any game where Trent does not attempt a three-pointer, especially when I was out. And then you look at what he was doing elsewhere, uh, four assists, three turnovers. A few of those turnovers were a little bit sloppy, but that goes for the whole team. But you go four for four from the line in crunch time, that's, that's all that matters, frankly. Jacob Grandison, an unsung hero yesterday. I had said during the podcast that he was having a bad game by his standards, at least in the first half. Well, he ends with five points, eight boards, and then the two free throws that ice the game. Two assists. Had a couple turnovers. Who didn't? Uh, Overall, just a very good and solid performance from him. And you start to see that he has this sort of wise, sage vibe about him. I was noticing when Illinois would go back to the huddle sometimes, he would be the one kind of corralling the guys, motioning them over. He's got a very calm demeanor that I think plays well for a team that still has some young pieces. And while this is his first go-around at this level, 
he seems comfortable in that role. So I'm increasingly encouraged by what we're seeing from Grandison. Georgie's Georgie. You know, listen, offensively, I like what he can do. He is still pretty good around the rim. He was three for four yesterday. He had one acrobatic move. Seven points, one for two from the line. He only had one rebound. I think his biggest weakness yesterday, he wasn't blocking out sometimes. I know there were some long rebounds that Wisconsin got for offensive boards. That could be bad luck, but it happened about three or four times. And Georgie, God, you love him, but he makes you pull your hair out. You can tell when Underwood brings him back to the sideline and is frustrated with him. He's not yelling at him like, Georgie, what are you doing? It's more, Georgie, come on, man, you're better than that. And I feel like that's how us Illini fans view the situation too. We're rooting so hard for Georgie because he's such an easy guy to root for. And there are just way too many boneheaded plays. I would love to think the switch just flips on and he can have a really good senior year. I still think you need to get another uh, center. I think you need someone else to start because I can't trust Georgie as the starting center on a tournament team. But there are moments where you look at him and he does work well in this role. You know, as long as he doesn't get in his way, you couldn't ask for much better from a backup center. Gives you some buckets. I think the defense has improved too. So, Georgie, (laughs) hey, after a win, it's all fun and games, right? I don't think Georgie is going to be a guy that will lose you a game in March. And maybe that's a bit of wishful talking here. I'm trying to, you know, talk myself out of something that I fear. But I, I feel like Georgie in small doses, still gives you a good option off the bench. And offensively, especially. But, oh, God, man, it's it's just a roller coaster with him sometimes, isn't it? It's a roller coaster with this team. There's no doubt about that. But I think that while I have been known to ride the roller coaster, as Jeremy has often alluded to, carp riding that fan roller coaster, I, I have also tried to stop and smell the roses. And let's consider what happened last week. In a five-day stretch, you lost your worst performance of the year at Michigan State. They took it to you. They came out, and I know there were a couple dirty plays, and that pisses me off as much as the next guy. But other than that, they still kicked your butt for 40 minutes. They were straight up better than you were. That is a slice of humble pie. Now, the silver lining I would hope from that is that this team had their final big lesson before the stretch run, right? The slice of humble pie that maybe they were due after a seven-game win streak. And reminder that, hey, if a team comes punching at you, you got to punch back. Now, I don't think many games are going to be called like that in the NCAA tournament, so I do not foresee another Michigan State-like effort. But at least it happened. You know, maybe this team needs to be calloused a bit. They need a a few more scars before they are battle-ready, battle-tested and ready to go. But then the Nebraska game. Think about this. You essentially lose your chance at the Big Ten title in East Lansing. You lose, temporarily, your best player. Nebraska's coming to town for a senior night where there are no fans. To me, psychologically, that would be a buzzkill. Now, as a fan, it was easy for me to tune in on Thursday for Nebraska, of all teams, and say, well, whatever happens, happens. It's Nebraska. Pretty sure we're going to win because they stink. And I was right, but I did not expect a 16-point win. It's so easy when you beat a bad team to say, well, consider the opponent. That is true. But when you add the context of what had happened just two days before, what Illinois did against Nebraska, I actually find to be pretty impressive. And all the more impressive when you consider the Nebraska, their follow-up, they beat Minnesota at home. I know Minnesota stinks right now. But Nebraska has won a couple of Big Ten games. They've competed in most others since that Illinois game that went to overtime out there. 
So you beat him by 16. You responded well in a situation that you had to kind of muster up your own motivation. Big 10 title, gone. Io gone temporarily. Fans, not there. Where are you going to get pumped up for a Nebraska game? Has to come internally, and it did. 40 good minutes against Nebraska. 40 good, sloppy, yes, but overall good minutes against Wisconsin. What was the bad stretch against Wisconsin? Oddly enough, it was the opening four minutes where you went up 12-2 and you turned the ball over seven times. I guess that's a bad stretch. But this team, they find ways to win, and it's amazing when you look at the different kinds of wins that they've had this year. Everything from the going down 19-4 to at Penn State and then just kicking their butt the rest of the game. The second half against Northwestern. Those are extreme examples. But the Wisconsin one is an interesting feather in your cap. The fact that when you don't have your best player and you're playing your second game in essentially 36 hours, that you go out there and put one of your more complete efforts of the season on the court. Yes, warts and all, there were some messy parts of that game yesterday. But you know what? You controlled it. You controlled it against an NCAA tournament team on the road. That is another quad one win, and that one ain't going anywhere. Wisconsin is not going to pull a Minnesota. There's not enough time for them to pull a Minnesota, where all of a sudden that does not remain a high-quality win that you got in Madison. So when you consider the context, all the more impressive how you finished that week. You will not fall anywhere in the AP poll. You are not going to fall in the eyes of the NCAA selection committee. We got a game later today. By the time you hear this podcast, you'll know if Iowa beat Ohio State, which would be very helpful for Illinois. And I think, though, regardless of what happens in that game, you were staring at a situation Saturday against Ohio State where the winner of that game is going to get the fourth one seed. That leads me to this week. Michigan, I want to beat him. Of course I do. I am a little sick of the, <laughs> the pomposity of Michigan fans. It's even pompous for me to use the word pomposity. Makes me sound pompous. But that's what they have, right? They fancy themselves an Ivy League school with a great athletics program. And they are a little bit of both. Listen, I, I've been to Ann Arbor just because my wife's up from around that area. It's a beautiful campus. Listen, the people I've met out there uh, during the tailgate that we went during Bobby's first year, it's fun. I, I, I view every fan base to be the same, right? There are issues with all of them. I think Illini fans can be a bit whiny. We have this inferiority complex. But hey, this is the tribe I've aligned myself with, right? And the same goes for Michigan fans or anybody else. But boy, would I like to kick their butt on Tuesday. Now, kicking their butt might be a long shot. Getting a win, that might still be a long shot. Do we see Iowa on Tuesday? To be honest, I don't know if I want him out there. Unless he's 100%, 110%. You don't need that game Tuesday. This is the luxury that you bought yourself with a win at Wisconsin. You don't need to beat Michigan to be in the one-seed conversation. You need to beat Ohio State. And even if you don't win these next two games, guess what? You're a two-seed. Villanova currently, and maybe they come back against Butler, but Villanova currently is losing to Butler. Even if they win that game, they look shaky at best. They're maybe a lower tier two seed. We look at Oklahoma losing to Kansas State last week. There are other teams that are along that two line that they lost a game last week. And they didn't have as impressive of a win as you did at Wisconsin without your best player. And the NCAA selection committee, you can bet they noticed. You can bet they noticed that Illinois did that without Io Sumu. Now, let's say you beat Michigan without Io. Oh my God, you're a one seed. Game over. Lock it in. Um, <laughs> I'm still going to watch and be excited Tuesday, but it's nice to feel like we are unburdened. There is not a Big Ten title to play for. 
And that is a bummer, but you know what? There's still a one seed to play for, and this Michigan game does not have a huge bearing on that. Or I should say, it doesn't have as much of a bearing as the game on Saturday. I think Illinois wins a game this week. I don't want to count them out because I feel like it's too easy to say, well, these are two tough road games, and we're going to fight, and we're going to play hard, and we're going to go 0-2. I understand the inclination to go that way, and I also understand that this team, with all the warts that they have, it would be very difficult to say, well, yeah, of course they're going to get a win this week. I'm not guaranteeing anything. I can't even say that I got a vibe about it, right? You know I love the word vibe, and I had a good one yesterday for the Wisconsin game, and it paid off. Gut feelings rarely do, but it did yesterday. But I got to think this team gets one more win in them. I said 15-5. and five. A couple weeks ago when they had rescheduled this Michigan game, I said 15-5. and five. That seems about right. That would have been two more losses, and I didn't expect at Michigan State to be one of them. I think I was buying us some leeway for a possible two-game losing streak at the end of the year. But I don't see that happening. I think they get a win. At the end of the day, though, the, the, the coolest part of all this, as we're about to talk with Corey Bradford, he had an experience as a one seed his junior year, Bill Sells first. That team was as deserving of a one seed as you're going to get. Played one of the toughest schedules ever. Went 13-3 and three in the Big Ten, won a Big Ten title. They deserved it. And that is a feather in your cap. That's something that you remember, getting a one seed. And if you were to ask what's more important, Big Ten title or one seed, if they were mutually exclusive, just for this hypothetical, you're taking the one seed. In this NCAA tournament, it is huge because you would avoid Gonzaga, Baylor, and Michigan until a possible Final Four matchup. You want that one seed. You want it. And it's right there for you. And what a position to be in as fans that we actually get to have that conversation. I am super excited for the Trevors and the Isaacs of the world, 23-year-olds, that for the 05 season, or let alone the 01 season, they were too young to remember the ins and outs of it. Uh, I'm sure little bits and pieces perhaps, but those seasons to them are probably what the 89 season was to me. You know, I don't remember it. I got told more of it than actually, you know, living through it. It was sort of passed down like a folktale or something. Ah, yes, the 89 flying line. And then you hear about it, you see clips and think, why couldn't I have experienced that? Well, these guys get to experience this for the first time. They get experience an all-time Illini team. And I will use that phrase for this Illinois team, an all-time Illini team. Keep this in mind, too, from Illini stats and notes yesterday. For most combined Big Ten wins in two seasons, the 0405 team, so that would have been 0304, Bruce Weber's first year, and the second year, 0405. In those two Big Ten seasons, they want to combine 28 games. 13 in Bruce Weber's first year, 13 and 3 in a 16-game schedule to win the outright. And then the next year, they went 15 and 1, losing to Ohio State, of course. But 28. So yeah, there were fewer games, right? But second all-time in Illinois history for most Big Ten wins in two seasons, this team. And they're sitting at 27, and they can tie that record against Michigan or against Ohio State. Yes, the win percentage is not the same. I recognize that. But when you consider where we were at just two years ago, how about this? When you consider where we were at February 28th of last year, that was a Saturday. Indiana was in town. Or was it a leap year last year? I forget. Regardless, essentially a year ago, Indiana comes into town on a Saturday. You beat them by one. And it was then and only then that we were able to say that Illinois had certifiably punched their ticket to the NCAA tournament. Here we are a year later talking about a one seed, two seed at worst. That's pretty cool. So I'm going to just embrace every moment as we go through the rest of the season, knowing that, yeah, it'll probably end in a loss, right? It does for, well, 
most teams. It does, at least for 67 other teams in March. But feeling as confident as I have in a long time that this team is primed to make a run. And I think the last two games only help that case. When you get the Andre Corbellos and the Adam Millers thrust into these alpha positions where they're forced to play big-time basketball and get wins without their star player, and then you bring the star player back in the fold, I think this team's ready. I think they're primed and ready for it. And maybe that Michigan State loss, if anything, if we're trying to find a silver lining, was the final, I'm fingers crossed here, was the final, oh God, moment of the year. You know, and, that, and that's considering that we'll probably lose another game or two, whether that be this week or in the Big Ten tournament or the NCAA tournament. But I would like to think that's because you just come up against a better opponent on a certain day, you gave them your best shot, and you just didn't have enough for whatever reason. You didn't make enough shots, something like that. That's tough, but it's easier to deal with, easier to live with. And on the other side of that token, maybe we need to give this team more credit for the fact that they find ways to win. Yes, sometimes they make it more difficult than they need to. But here they are, 14-4 and in the Big Ten. Keep in mind, two years ago, three years ago, excuse me, in Brad Underwood's first year, they finished 4-14. and So within three years, you have flipped that record with two games to go. That's pretty remarkable and reason to be optimistic for what comes in this next month and also for the long-term future of this program. All right, so that's my spiel. That was a really fun game against Wisconsin. We got a really fun month ahead, and we have a really fun interview right now with one of my all-time favorites, Corey Bradford from back in, let's see, his first year was 98-99, the Big Ten tournament run with Lon Kruger and that team that only won three conference games, and then they won three games in three days before just running out of gas against the eventual national champion, right? Or Michigan State, I think, won it in 2000, but made the Final Four in 99. And then the rest of Corey's career, just remarkable success individually, as a team, and the first part, uh, the first guy to be part of this 4th and Kirby Illini Legends collection, which will be available Wednesday. So be on the lookout, 4thandkirby.com. Follow them on Twitter at 4thandkirby and get a load of this shirt. It is ridiculously cool. Coming out Wednesday, coupon code 200 level for 10% off your order. All right, without further ado, let's bring him on. The one, the only, one of my all-time favorites, Corey Bradford. So it's always fun to have Corey Bradford on the show. And Corey, I was thinking about this. You got a t-shirt coming out with 4th and Kirby. We're going to talk about that in just a second. Mm -hmm. Back in the day, if I would have had the ability back in 2000, 2001 to get you know, a jersey with number 13 on it, get a t-shirt with your likeness on it. I would have. So I want to start off with that larger question about college athletes and being able to use their likeness. Back in the day, did you guys have any conversations? You, Frank, Brian, anyone else on that team? Like, you know, it would be nice. And then here you are 21 years later, finally (laughs) able to cash in on your legendary status with Illinois fans. Absolutely, man. We we always had that conversation. And, um, um, I want to say it was at one point where my jerseys, uh, my freshman year, sold uh, was one of the top jerseys in the Big Ten that sold. And did um did did I get one cent of that? Of course not. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> um, you know, back then, you you know, you're young. You, you know, you know, you don't get bitter about those things. You just want to play ball. Um, but you know, as you get older you start to look at that a lot more and start to realize, you know, how much money these players generate um, year in and year out, and they don't see one red cent. Um, and it's, it's pretty bad, you know, it's pretty bad, but um, it's been, it's been like that for quite some time, man. And, and, and now changes are being made. And, and again, you know, we'll see how this thing unfold, but, you know, 20 years later, you know, I'm able to 
team up with with Fourth and Kirby and and able to get my own T-shirt and it's it's been a blessing and those guys gave some really good ideas and we put a couple um, ideas they had together and we came up with with the with the really good one and I think everybody will like it you know one thing I can't guarantee I can't guarantee you're gonna make jump shots if you put this T-shirt on. But I can guarantee you're going to look damn good in it. That's right. I, I can vouch for that because I've seen the design. And and you mentioned that you guys had some ideas going back and forth on it. So how does that conversation get started? Was it – did they reach well, out to you? or Yeah, how those, yeah, yeah. They, um, those guys reached out to me okay. and, and had the idea. And, of course, you know, I didn't hesitate. I was like, you know, shoot, yeah, let's do it, you know. And um, those guys pretty much ran with it. They got 100% in it and – they they had a handful of ideas and I liked each one. Uh, we had to choose one, but I kind of uh, went with two ideas they had and we made it into one. And we end up coming with a really unique idea and a, and a good design and a, and um, and it was a great turnout. And we you know and, and everyone knows what experience of getting their their shirts and attire and stuff like that. Um, it's some really cool stuff, you know. What I mean, because. For me personally, I, I like shirts that doesn't have too much going on, but mm-hmm. kind of have something, but kind of have that retro feel to it. And uh, not only that, you know, the material, you know, is great. And that's always a big thing, too. So um, and those guys produce some really good products, man. And um, and I was fortunate enough to team up with them. And um, like I said, those guys ran with it full speed and and it really wasn't much back and forth. I loved everything. It just had I just had to put my finger on one. You know what I mean? And fortunate enough, I put it on two. We made into one and we came up with something. So it's it's pretty cool, man. I'm I'm very, very humbled by it. Yeah, you mentioned the quality of the shirts, and it's true. I mean, mm-hmm. there there are those like yeah. buy one, get one t shirts that you can get at any right. cheap t shirt. This exactly. is this is not that. And you mentioned that kind of vintage inspired look too. And it it mm-hmm. does remind me of something that I could have bought if if they would have allowed it back in two thousand or so. Like this would Absolutely. be a shirt that you would have seen on the shelves back then. So I think you guys found a good balance with that. Absolutely. And um, I mean, you can you can add myself into that retro because I am retro. If you think about it. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, my yeah, my time was 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 a long time ago. And for me to, you know, connect with these guys, man, like I said, it, it was truly humbling. And we were excited and, and glad to announce that, um, you know, they're going to be putting this thing out pretty soon. And, I, and I'm, I, I can't wait. It's going to be pretty fun. We're going to talk a little bit about this Illini team in a bit, but I wanted to actually go back. It's funny because my brother in law is from Memphis. And mm-hmm. okay. he he was actually just having a discussion before he hopped on, and he asked me to ask you this. And I, I, so, Germantown Rec Center does that ring a bell? Yes. Okay. And pickup games five on five at Germantown Rec Center. And I, there was another name that he threw out. I don't know if there was a guy named Robert O'Brien that ended up playing at Wake. Robert O'Kelly. Robert O'Kelly. Robert O'Kelly. Okay. Yeah. So take me back to those days because I remember as a kid hearing for the first time that oh well we got this. Mm-hmm. Highly touted recruit out of Memphis, which seemed kind of interesting because Illinois back then was very much either going to be in-state, if we got lucky, downstate in Peoria or something, or Chicago. Mm-hmm. And right. then here was this dude from Memphis that decided to commit. So Germantown Rec Center, is this in high school? Is this the AAU days? When are you playing pickup games over there? Um, this was more of um, high school AAU days, um, you know, in the summertime and stuff when you had that free time, okay. you know, obviously during the school year. Um, you know, you're, you're doing high school stuff and, um, and yeah, man, we had a, we had a pretty good group, you know, that class of 97, um, as we know, you know, not only know just not at Memphis, but throughout the country and stuff, you know, the class of Shane Battier, mm-hmm. Baron Davis, Ron Artest, and those guys, uh, Brandon Haywood, to name a few, uh, Shea Cotton was the, 
was the guy back then. You know, the big name, as we all know, the, the first man child, as they call him. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris Burgess. You remember Chris Burgess was the number one player coming out of that class. But um, in Memphis, locally, um, the names that circulate throughout the city during my time was obviously me, uh, Robert O'Kelly, and Tony Harris. Uh, Tony Harris was the McDonough All-American um, um, coming out of the state of Tennessee. And um, he was pretty much one of the, the, the biggest names coming out of Memphis. And obviously that was followed by me and uh, Robert O'Kelly. And Robert eventually went to uh, Wake Forest and had a, a tremendous career. And Tony went to Tennessee and had a great career. And, and uh, we all know how my, you know, my stint went with Illinois and stuff. So, um, so yeah, man, it was some, some, some battles up that way. And, 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 and Germantown Rec Center is one of those spots where you can get some good quality hooping. And not only with just with it, with a young group, but, you know, with the older, you know, older guys as well, you know, because you only get better playing against older competition anyway. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so All let's right. do, let's do this timeline real quick. So you get up to Champaign, this would have been in 97, right? Yes. Okay. So this is Lon Kruger's, I think, second team, or maybe, maybe his first, you were within his first full second, recruiting class. Second year. Yeah. Second year. I think his, his first was the 96, 97. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that okay. was key ones last year. That's right, and they got a four seed, and there was a, a tough loss right. in the second round to UT Chattanooga, if I if I recall. Right. Okay, so um, you get in, and you you're sitting out the year that they win a Big Ten title with all the right. seniors That's, on that team. Right, the and, the blessing year, for, as I call it. I learned so much through Jerry Hester, of course, late Matt Hellman, um, Lucas' brother AJ, um, him, uh, Jared G, Kevin Turner. Uh, Jelani Boleyn, um, Kevin wow. Freeman, wow, yeah. McKinley Freeman is his stage name now. We all know he's a he's a huge big time actor now. He's no kidding. Really well, yeah, yeah, he's um, uh, Kevin man, yeah, he's been um, um, he's been doing really well. He was one wow. of the main characters in um, Hit the Floor was the show. Wow, he had the basketball okay. show. Yeah, he was the main character. <laughs> That's pretty and, cool. And um, and he's obviously been in a lot of commercials and um. In a, in a number of movies. So he's been doing really well, man, really well. Um, but yeah, that, that first year was a blessing to me because those were seven seniors that I learned a lot from. And um, if it wasn't for those guys, like I said, I don't think um, being ready that freshman year, the first year that I was able to play, I wouldn't have been as ready as I was. You know what I mean? Because those guys really prepared me and really whooped my butt for that whole season. They whooped my butt day in and day out. But again, I got better because I was always a number one guard on opposing teams on a scouting report. And uh, me and Nate, me and Nate Mass talk about this all the time. We're saying, you know, we were the gold team stallions, the studs. <laughs> they, they should retire our, our um, scout team jerseys that we had because we were putting in so much work. <laughs> well, I was going to ask, Corey, because I, this is why the win yesterday at Wisconsin without IO right. is most encouraging to me is to see mm-hmm. – to see the guys like a young Andre Curbelo and Adam Miller, right. it's it's going to be their program. And there's right. words like culture that often get thrown around with college basketball. But mm-hmm. I think there is something to be said for when you're a younger guy and you you know Andre Curbelo, he sees Io doing what he does. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's that's how you have to do it. You come in, right. you see this senior laden team that had no expectations of winning a Big Ten title, and they do. And you saw all the right. work that went into it. And and I'm guessing that sort of I mean, you were the bridge, essentially, between that Big Ten team and right. then the massive success from basically 2000 all the way through the 05 team. So uh, mm-hmm. what what was the biggest 
this is maybe a hard question to answer, but what was maybe the biggest thing that you learned? Is it just as simple as you got to, you know, bust your ass every single day or something else that you really held on to? Well, you know, just like with that team, which which I don't think get enough recognition like they should. Yeah, I'd um, agree. That that 96, 97 team, that 97, 98 team, I'm sorry. Um, they pretty much just kept that culture going from from what key one of those guys had. You know, what I mean, that was a those were studs on that team and so much experience, man. I think experience really played a huge key. And with me, Sergio at the time, Avi Story was there. Uh, Rich Byers, can't, can't forget Rich Byers. Yep. Um, before those guys transfer, I mean, it was so much that we learned from those guys, man, and and the the tradition and just having an understanding on how much that program is. And like I always say, they they really made it clear on how big, on the reason why that name on the front of the jersey was printed bigger than the name on the back. And um and again, the, the the things that those guys stamped on that program, man. I mean, it it was obvious. I mean, we we only knew how to succeed. You know, what I mean, and, and and battle each 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 day and each night and stuff like that, man. And that's why our freshman year when we played, we we really only lost just because of inexperience. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of uh, myself, Sergio, um, you know, Rich, and those guys coming into our, you know that next year, you know, with Lucas and Demir and Arch, you know, we were all, you know, we were pretty much majority babies. It was all freshmen and sophomores <laughs> on that yeah. team. You know I mean? I think Victor Chukadebe was the he was junior. Was senior that year. Yeah, or no, yeah, well, junior, you know? yeah, because he was a senior yeah. in what would have been the 99-2000 right, year. Right, right. That's now, correct. now yeah. Frank was on, he was with you guys in 98-99, right? But he was not, he was sitting out that first year. Just like I, he was in the same boat as I was. That's right. He okay. was doing the exact same thing with me. And he had the, the same mental approach of practicing every day, getting better. And obviously, the not only with basketball, it enabled um, us academically to get ahead as well. Because, you know, it's only so many hours you can take um, each semester, especially while you're playing. But, you know, sitting out there, you're able to take um, two, or f- or two or three more classes each uh, semester and stuff. So, so that, that kind of helped as well because obviously in order to get that fourth year, we had to graduate on time in order to get that fourth year and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And that's why I was able to play that that fourth year because I graduated on time, of course. Question for you, and I know I ask you mm-hmm. probably every time we talk, but you know, it, it's amazing how in all these memories that I have as an Illini fan, one that I go back to sometimes before I even go back to you know, the 0405 team, that was a once in a lifetime kind of thing. But you relive those so often. I'm like, yeah, but remember the 99 Big Ten tournament? And I was going to ask yeah. you because we're talking about you guys, I believe, were the 11 seed, you know, right. dead last. You were thir- three and 13, mm-hmm. I think, in conference. And that weekend, for a lot of Illini fans, that's just a very special memory. So for you, as someone that lived through four years, and that first year would have been the lean year, you know, that was when you guys were kind mm-hmm. of on the up. Does that stand alongside some of the the later success, whether that be Big Ten titles or you know the Elite Eight run? Was that was the kickstart? Okay, that's what did it. Um, I my a lot of people don't know outside looking in. You know, even though we struggled that year as a young team, we were dangerous. You know, it wasn't too many games where we really got got whooped bad. Unless we played Michigan State, I think we got demolished at, at Michigan State. Oh, who didn't? Like it was, then. it was really bad. <laughs> yeah, but um, I think that's when Morris Peterson had a broke hand and he was still dunking on us with a cast on his hand and stuff. Oh, it, it was, it was really bad. Mm-hmm. But um, that year, 
our mental approach, man, I think what really got us through that season because we approached every game as if we just won the last five in a row. Um, we approached every practice as if we're one of the top five teams in the Big Ten. Um, and I think that really carried on to us and really had us um, at a mature standpoint where when we got to the Big Ten tournament, Coach Kruger said, look, let's change things up. Let's change up our game plan. Let's play totally different. Let's catch these teams off guard what we got to lose, you know. And we were excited. You know, we were, we were, we were going in there to to really shock everybody and, and really put teams on their butt because we knew they were going to take us, take us um, lightly and didn't think we were going to um, – um, go on that thing and, and play the way, the way we did. And we completely changed our game plan. We started running more. And um, Coach kind of gave a lot more guys freedom that really didn't play as free as we did during the season and stuff. So, And we got after defensively, man, and it showed. you know. And, and, and I think the, what got us down a stretch when we lost to Michigan State, you know, again, they were a powerhouse team. It would have been tough to beat them anyway, but we really ran out of gas. I mean – we, we were dead tired. I mean, playing four ranked teams in four straight days and not just no scrub teams either. <laughs> well, um, and I'm and looking at this, Corey. You guys were kind right. of primed for it because I see the two games, yeah. the two games before the Big Ten tournament, you, mm-hmm. two home games against Iowa and Indiana, you lost each of those by six and that Indiana game went right. to OT. So it's like, you yep. can you can chart over the course of the year. That at Michigan State game, by the way, you guys only lost by 17. They were number five. Yeah, but it, it, be worse, yeah, right? it, it, it felt much worse. And sure. I think they maybe had us down way more, but it's just how they did it. It was a, it was a loud 17 if that. Sure, <laughs> I yeah. I mean, it's been down a lot more on national television. I just remember that just being brutal. And you guys know those games where we knew they would have beat anybody in the country that day. I think they shot the ball extremely well. Yeah. You know, anytime you got Monty please making three-point shots, then you're in big trouble. Because <laughs> that wasn't his thing. It was Charlie Bell was the three-point exactly. shooter on those teams. Exactly, exactly. It was Charlie and those guys. And um, and Klein? Klein, I think his name was. I can't uh, remember the Ryan other guard Ryan Klein? They had. Uh, maybe, I, f- I forget. Something like that. Yeah, they had a nice, um, he was about six seven. They had a, they had a number of guys uh, where they had some long wings that can really stretch out and shoot. And um and, and we all know how how Mo P has uh, his career went, especially moving on to the NBA. It had to be full circle a couple years later when it was paint the whole orange. And I know Charlie Bell mm-hmm. and Andre Hudson were still on that Michigan State team. Right. They replaced Mateen Cleese would have been gone, Mo P would have been gone. But mm-hmm. you know, oh right, here's Jason Richardson and Zach Randolph. Right. No big deal. And uh, you know, out of all the home environments, it's it's been so much fun to watch the team this year, but also that little empty feeling of God, this, you know, assembly hall now state farm center would have been amazing this year, but oh man, as no, right. As you go back to that era, I, I know we've talked about it before. I think uh, Seton hall game and maybe even Sean Harrington, when I talked to him mentioned that mm-hmm. in terms of sheer volume, but is there one or, and also the Wisconsin game where he tosses it to Marcus Griffin, right? Do you recall a, a singular moment? That may be tough to do at the assembly hall with how much of a home court advantage it was back then, but was there a game that, and anytime you think about it, you just get kind of chills? Um, definitely the Michigan State game at home, Paint the Hall Orange, that one, because um, we all know that was that, was that game that was going to separate us two. Mm-hmm. Who's going to, who's you know, is Michigan State going to, keep that throne or we're going to, you know, demount them. And we knew we were going to get them. We went in that game like, it's no way this team is better than us. We're, we're the best team in the country. And, and that whole season, we were really good. We, we, we knew we were really good. Um, but, and, and it was, that was pretty loud. But that Seton Hall game was, was really loud. It was, it was moments where 
you couldn't really hear yourself. And again, playing in the Braggers Rights game at at um in St. Louis, you know, that's that's always extremely loud. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> like overwhelming loud sometimes, you know, where you can't really hear yourself. You yeah. know what I mean? So um yeah, I, I would say those two games, but that Seton Hall game definitely just because of how that game played out and how we came back and turned things up and then be making three in the in the uh overtime, the overtime yeah. stuff for the you know tied it tied the three-point record and stuff. So it was it was pretty special. And that was a big game in a lot of front. I was at a young enough right. age where at halftime, my dad and I are out in the concourse and you guys, I think we're down 15, 16, something like that at yeah. half. And I'm like, yeah, let's just go home. I'm just a pouty little brat of a middle schooler at this age. I'm like, oh, we're going to lose this game. My dad's like, hold on, you know, it's basketball. And that that game, this is going to sound kind of silly, but mm-hmm. it, it taught me and something I've kept with me that until it's like, you know, you're down 20 with three to go, it's not necessarily over. And that game was big on a lot of fronts because it felt like it was kind of Frank's arrival. I mean, Frank was just unbelievable that second half. And well, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> you know, you know. Let me tell you the story, man. Okay, so please. We knew. I mean, it was one of those games where we didn't think Seton Hall was that good. We thought they were overhyped. Sure. We went in there and we just played like a days of cool. We were. We we. I mean, not to be, you know, cocky or nothing about it, but it was just how things were approached, you know, from the coach's standpoint, from recruiting, it's like, we learned that they overhype guys. Like, oh, this guy never misses this, that. And then when we play on, we like, that's it, you know? But looking back now, we realize like they, they made practice more harder in the game. So a lot of times we get these games and it's like, we had the type of team where we realized we can turn that switch on, on and off. So, when we were down, because, I mean, we were just playing terrible, man. Mm-hmm. And then as a group, as a whole, and I remember going at halftime, and I think Lucas told this story as well, that coach kind of, like, put Frank, like, had Frank behind us in the locker room. He was like, oh, we don't need him. You know I mean? We can do this and, you know, and, and, and motivating us. But there was Coach Self way of he knew how to get to Frank. He knew how to motivate Frank. Mm-hmm. He knew how Frank was going to respond. He knew how we were going to respond. Cause we're looking like, damn, coach is going to do it like that. You know what I mean? Like in front of everybody type thing, you know? And we knew it. We like, look, man, we, we, we're going to turn this thing around. Let's get after them. It's nothing special. Hey, they making shots and blah, blah, blah. And this is net. So we go out and that's where you see the Frank show. That's what Frank was pretty much saying. Like, Oh, you don't need me. Okay. I'm about to show you. But there was the way of coach. That's, that was so special about Coach Self. He knew how to push those buttons. He knew what was going to motivate this guy. He knew Frank was going to respond that way. He knew it. Mm-hmm. Frank was like, oh, really? You need, okay, I'm about to show you. <laughs> oh, take this. Oh, take that. You know what I mean? So he knew that. And I think Frank did too. And um, and that's and that's what made us so good, man. We just, we we knew we can turn that, that switch on and off, man. That's what made us special and um, just only if we could just adjust to officiate when we played outside. And like I said, that was always our knock. Even when we played in the Big Ten, mm-hmm. ACC challenge against um, Maryland, you know, it was or always Duke, foul right. trouble. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. every time we lost outside, it was always foul trouble just because of the style of play. But we were so stubborn, like, screw that. This is the way we play. We're bruisers. <laughs> And it got you close. I mean, it it got you so yeah. close until, I mean, we don't need to right. relive the Arizona game. I I have a question. Oh. I, yeah, we don't need that. But, you know, <laughs> I'm thinking back to, because you would have had two years with uh, Coach Kruger, two years with Coach Self. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, I mean, Lon Kruger is a Hall of Fame coach in his own right. If he's not in the right. Hall of Fame, he right. will be. You know, he, he certainly will Absolutely. be. Uh, but there did seem to be this sort of swagger that Coach Self in particular brought with him that kind of 
trickle down to the rest of you guys. And it's that Seton Hall game in particular, as my dad and I are driving home and listening to WDWS, the post game, and mm-hmm. Coach Self is talking. And I remember thinking, even at that young age, like, oh my God, we got a dude as head coach. Like, we got yeah. a serious dude. And and mm-hmm. and no, like that was a moment of realization because you guys had big wins before that. There was the win right. in Maui against Maryland, um, mm-hmm. and then this one though. It felt different. It felt like if anything, if a switch were to flip on for the rest of the year and kind of propel you guys, it just seemed like, oh wow, we're legit top five, you know, Final Four caliber team here. Yeah, definitely, man. I mean, that's that's what made them. I mean, you know, me as a pro. Um, I go back to that. me as a pro. I always tell guys I'm extremely lucky just because the coaches I've had. I had a wonderful coach in high school, and then I had this really great coach and Coach Krug for my first two years, and then I had Coach Self my last two years. So I got I'm extremely lucky when it comes to that in terms of learning the game and stuff like that. And again, if it wasn't for those guys, I wouldn't have had a a, a, a 18 year pro career because the things I learned from them carried on to my pro career which helped me have a consistent career. But um, with Coach Self, man, he was more, you know, Coach Krug was like a, to say like an old school coach. You know, he was more like clean cut, this, is and that. And, and Coach Krug, I mean, Coach Self was more like, you know, be yourself, open man, take open shot. He knew the, the, the trending song that's going on now. He was more mm-hmm. up to date, you know what I mean? Like he knew what was going on. You know what I mean? Like he was more hip, let's put it that way. <laughs> um, not that Coach Kruger couldn't be, but you know, Coach Kruger was just real, um, real, you know, real, real old school. You know, Coach Kruger, that, hey, Coach Kruger yeah, had know, the uh he had the turtleneck action going on, which if yeah, you look at that, that yeah, that yeah, was pretty know, hip. Yeah, if, if if yeah, if Kruger, <laughs> Coach Kruger kind of did something hip, it'll catch you off guard. Like, hold on, Coach, what? What you know about that song, Coach? You know what I mean? Type of thing. But Coach right. Coach Self knew that, you know what I mean? And he could relate to us and and he knew how to um to be on his same page. You know, he could relate to us more. Um, which sure. with you know, in terms of his personality and how it was and stuff like that. Um, because I remember one time um um uh, we were about to play Arizona at the United Center. Great, one of my favorites. One of my all-time right. favorites. This is, when I, this is when I actually broke the record that game. So That's right. going into that game, my whole game plan was, you know, just bruise them, just bruise them. Just cram it up, aggravate them, because we felt they were soft. We all did. We like, they're a soft team. They whine a lot. They're soft. They can't, there's no way they can match up with us. The only bruiser they have on their team is Michael Wright. Mm-hmm. He was the only one. He was the, you know, the Chicago kid. He was, you know, Michael was, was, was pretty, you know, he was a Husky dude. Like he, he fit our type of style. You know what I mean? So I remember going to that game and, and Coach Self said, look, man, the chance you guys get, just bump them, start something with them. He said, cause I don't think they're going to react well. I think they're going to whine about it. He said, I think they're soft. And so that's why you've seen so many altercations that game, a bunch of bumping and guys pushing and, you know, I mean, and, and there was, and, and that's one, one time we were like, man, I kind of like Coach Self, man. <laughs> Coach Self was yeah. all right, man. Like, hey, like, this is what I'm talking about. Like, we, this is the mentality we want to have. We want people scared of us. You know what I mean? We want to go into games just really bruising teams, just bruising, just physically wear teams down. And we did that from, from um, 
from outside and inside, and it, and it all showed. Again, it just all caught up with us when the team shot 56 free throws. And you know what's crazy about it is that I'm, I'm really good friends with Lauren Woods that was on that team. Right. You mentioned and that. We, and, yeah, yeah. And he, <laughs> I'm telling you, all the time he tells me, say, man, I appreciate y'all letting us get mm. that one. <laughs> Every time, man. He always thanks me, man. Thank you, man. Thank you. I appreciate oh, it. God. I mean, that, that like too. sucker. I know. It's, you know, it, there will be great Illini teams that, that come and go. And I think that, right. you know, the, the thing with Illini basketball fans is that there's this I really, really wish in 05 they would have just won the national title because it feels like there's this no weight on everyone's shoulder. And that goes all the way back to in 84. They made the Elite Eight. They mm-hmm. lose in Kentucky at Rupp Arena before they do neutral sites on a bogus traveling call. Right. In your guys' year. All right, 56 fouls called. It, it's always something. Or, or in 05, Sean May fouls out James yeah. Augustine in three minutes. So it, it, <laughs> there's always this other shoe is going to drop kind of fear. And I think with, you know, as someone that was playing in the games, did you guys have that? I know the fans were, you know, clamming up during that Arizona game, thinking, oh God, it's going this direction. Were you guys aware of that too, as the whistles kept coming? We we were, we were. And luckily, man, we we survived longer we did, long as we did, because, you know, as we know, we were extremely deep that year. We had guys that can play multiple positions, and um, in that last few minutes, man, me and Frank were the two biggest guys that was out there on the floor. And honestly, if they would have missed a couple free throws, that game would have been really interesting because mm-hmm. we had we still had opportunities down the stretch. We just couldn't get them to miss any free throws. Um, but but yeah, man, we we were very aware on it, aware of it. And I think that year hurt us more than anything. I actually cried after that because I knew that was the year we were supposed to win it. And we knew that. We was like, man, we felt like it was taken from us. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, it, it was just flat out ridiculous, you know what I mean? But Do you guys... You know, it, it, well, I was going to ask a quick question about mm-hmm. that that day. It's a Sunday. And the yeah. first the first Elite Eight game that was on, Michigan State, the team that you guys beat in the Paint the Home Orange mm-hmm. game, they're playing a 10-seed Temple. And I'm thinking, well, isn't that cute? And we get the best two seed in recent memory because Arizona, they may as well have been a one seed. I mean, that should have been a Final Four matchup, frankly. But, you know, what do you know? Third time these two teams play each other again. And and I I was just wondering if that went through your mind is you guys probably paying no attention to that Michigan State game beforehand. But afterwards, as it settles in, you're watching Michigan State the next week and thinking, boy, it would have been nice to play Temple. Definitely, oh, <laughs> definitely. But you know what? We we were going to take what we what we could get. You know, sure. what I mean, and, and like I said, we knew we were a better team. We knew that. And you know, and I said, talking with my friend Lauren Woods, he knew that as well. He knew they got lucky. They dodged the bullet. Man. Uh, and, and again, you know, we can't take away from the things that they did and stuff like that. But man, it's hard to argue with shooting fifty six free throws in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, on the national yeah. stage like that, and um, and I think. Bill Walden was was coming to the, call. the game. Yep, I think yep. people were like furious about that, and it was just so much that that came into to play, man. That is just it kind of leaves a sour taste in your mouth, man. And it's one of those one of those tastes that I'm gonna be tasting for the rest of my life. Uh, and it's like one of those like God, what if, what if, mm-hmm. what if, man? You never want to leave it, you know, leave um, a what if out there. You know, it's a shame that this year, not not just not being able to go see this team play, but I'm guessing there would have been some commemorative 20-year kind of thing for that team that won a Big Ten title that made it an Elite Eight. Um, you know, given the circumstances, I'm not surprised that they didn't make a big to-do about it. But had you guys mm-hmm. heard, 
anything from the athletic department or any sort of like um, we, gathering that you we, guys could do? Right. We actually, we wanted to do something because, you know, we actually have a group chat with, with all of us on there. Um, Coach Self, like everybody from um, Darren and Jarence, everybody's on there. And yeah. um, when we were mentioned um, that um, a, re- a reunion should be coming up this summer and stuff. But again, it all depends on COVID and, and how things play out with that. And again, I was planning on being up there quite a bit this season and, um, <laughs> and enjoying these games, man. And um, But, you know, again, we'll see. And I- I'm sure if it's something that's going to be brought up, it's going to be um, it's going to be put out there for everybody to know and stuff like that. And I, and I hope so. But again, it all depends on COVID, I would think. Well, Corey, if you guys need an MC for that event, if you want to throw my hat in the ring, I'll pay. I'll pay you guys each individually for the opportunity to be an MC. <laughs> that that would be the coolest thing ever. Absolutely, uh, <laughs> absolutely. A couple questions before I let you go with with this team. How so? Yesterday, Demonte, mm-hmm. twelve points, couple threes, step back, twenty footer. Uh, yeah, and and you watch him. He looks like Frank. I mean, he's he's got Frank's face. What is that like to see 20 years after, you know, you essentially get done playing here and then it's like, oh, that's Frank's kid on a top five Illinois team. Yeah, I, I, I get reminded about it every time I see him and it reminds me of my age because I want to say the last time I saw D was, I think he was maybe four, five, maybe four years old. I think he was. I'm not sure. Wow. Um, but it is just, it's crazy because he's so good. And I think he's that glue of that team. He's that guy because he's been playing. He's been doing whatever it takes the team, whatever the teams need each season. And I think that is huge because he can do a heck of a lot more. And I don't think people really realize that. And 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 a lot of people do know that with him and Trent, we got to really appreciate these two. Uh, you know, they, they've done a lot for the program and they've been doing a lot of special things. And to see them, and other guys step up last game was really huge for the program. It was huge for the team. Um, with with having one of their top two guys sitting out was was very huge because that, that helps them um, going into the tournament and stuff like that because it's going to be games like that. You know, maybe A.O. or Kofi and those guys, you know, maybe they have foul trouble in their limited minutes and you got guys stepping up, um, especially being on the road. And it's always tough to win in Wisconsin. Sure. Uh, regardless if his fans there or not. <laughs> yeah. Um that was that was a really good win. But you know, they got another test coming up and um that'll be real huge. And um we'll we'll see if uh if, if Ayo is gonna play and but if not, you know, guys just gotta step up and be ready to play, man, and, and let's get this win. You know what I mean? Because again, you know, it's all preparation and and um and and just getting ready for that tournament, and that's the most important thing. You know, it'd be great to win the Big Ten. I don't know if that's still possible or not, depending on wins or losses and stuff like that, but they just went out, taking one possession at a time, one game at a time, and um, most important thing is just be healthy going into the tournament. Yeah, but it will be nice to get number one seed, though. Well, I was going to ask you, you know, about that. Yeah, it'll be it, real nice. That'll be real nice. We'll take that. If, but, you know, when it comes to seeding, I'm a true believer it's all about matchups. True. Stuff, you know. It's all about that. Well, and I was going to ask you about that one seed because essentially mm-hmm. if they beat – Michigan's going to be interesting Tuesday night because first off, Michigan is off the charts good. I mean, they, they are yeah, – yeah, they, they really are. They're a national they play, They didn't play what they, – they're minus, what, 20 games they haven't played. But yeah. it doesn't take well, away. They're, they're pretty good. They're a pretty good team. They're, yeah, they're and, playing really good right now. And without – I mean, Io may or may not play Tuesday night. I, I would mm-hmm. be mildly surprised if he did. But Saturday mm-hmm. at Ohio State, that is essentially a play-in game for the final one seed. And 
I wanted to go back. I know we do a lot of like go back, but th- this is what I love being able to pick your brain about these moments where I, I couldn't be a fly on the wall is the selection Sunday of 2001. You guys had lost to Indiana the previous day in the Big Ten tournament. And I remember that Sunday feeling like the longest day ever because I was so accustomed to you guys being in the Big Ten tournament final. And then selection right. Sunday was right after. No, we had to wait all day. So did you guys know for certain or was there, when you wake up that day and you all gather, whether it be Coach Self's house or the oven, um, w- was there that anticipation? What was that feeling like when you see your name come across as a one seed? Um, we actually knew it. Um, 2001, we knew we were going to be a number one seed. Um, it, was, it was definitely no doubt. Um, it was just where we were going to be seated at. And, um, and it pretty much went from there. Um, we, we were just ready. We were ready to get the business. We were ready to win a championship. And that was our whole mindset. And, and honestly, you know, Coach Self really stamped it in our minds saying, look, man, these, these seedings don't matter. Hey, you can lose first game. It doesn't matter. You know what I mean? It's, it's you know, you got to step up and play whoever, whoever's on that card. And, and, at, and at the end of the day, it's all about matchups. You know what I mean? It's, we got to be that matchup that teams can't match up with. We got to make teams play the way that we play. You know, we can't, um, you know, if a team go at all guards, we're not going to go at all guards. We're going to make you match up with us. We're not going to match up with you. So it's all about matchups and, and obviously being healthy. You know, you want to go in that thing on everybody 100%. And I'm pretty sure I would think that that's what we're doing with uh, with our guys. You know, just making sure, um, I uh, make sure he's 100%, make sure everything is good. But at the same time, you don't want him to lose rhythm either. Um, you want him to kind of go in that thing with a nice little rhythm and and red hot and and just take off from there. So, um, so I'm excited for these guys. I'm just glad that we even having a conversation about seedings. Anyway. I know. Even, you know. At first, we was like, man, I'm hoping we get in, but maybe we'll get. In. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's the, the conversations are different now, man. And um, you know, and to rewind. I, I wish at least these guys could have heard their names called last season. I, I, I kind of hate that they didn't do the selection thing. I think they should have did that for those kids. And, and for the other 67 teams that would have made it. Right. Yeah, Ex- I mean, just to exactly, know. Exactly. Just to know. So in the media guides, at least, it doesn't say there was no NCAA tournament. It can yeah. say this team would have been this. And, and it's amazing, Corey, because a year ago, almost to the day, Illinois beat Indiana at home by one. And that was the win that essentially punched their ticket a year ago. And then here we are a year later, and we're talking one seed. And mm-hmm. I think about your career here from the 3-13 and 13 Big Ten season, and then yeah. you cap it off, you get a one seed, you won two Big Ten titles in a row, Elite Eight, Sweet 16. And uh, yeah, to see this program go from the depths and become nationally relevant again. I mean, I am a firm believer that Illinois basketball, when they're good, Illinois basketball is cool. It's a cool brand. It really is. And, it really is. Man. And it's it really is. a long, great history. And, and you guys kind of, you know, set the tone for that decade, you know, back in the early 2000s. Yeah, man. I mean, we're, we're, we're happy to, to, to be the ones to set that tone, man. And, um, and, um, and, it, and it's good, man. Like I said, it's, it, it'd be good to, to, to hear our names called. And, um, and I'd be extremely happy for these guys, especially for the seniors. I know they work so hard to, to get to this point and stuff like that. And all that hard work is definitely paying off. And uh, from my understanding, there's two more games left, right? It's Michigan and, and Ohio, right? Michigan Tuesday, Ohio State on Saturday. State, and then Ohio State. Yeah, Big Ten tournament um, after that. Right. So it doesn't get any, the script doesn't get any better than that. You know, yeah. two teams that's ahead of you. 
take advantage of it, you know, take it one, one possession at a time, one game at a time, you know, focus on Michigan. And like I said, to, to not even have any doubts, hey, get both of them. <laughs> First, you got to get Michigan. Then after Michigan, you got to get Ohio State. And then there's no question, you're number one seed. Oh, my God. So, but at the end of the day, you're playing for pride. Just let teams know you're the best team in the Big Ten. And right now, you're playing like it. So, um, so yeah, man, I'm, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to uh, Tuesday. I think they play uh, Michigan on Tuesday. So, I'm, I'm, yep. I'm looking forward to it. And I told my wife, like, look, I, I got to see this game. I got to watch <laughs> it. Um, it's, it, it, it really kind of let us know where we're going to, where we're at in terms of playing a, a high caliber team like that that's top five and stuff like that. And, and it kind of seemed like, all that hard work and, and, and all that push they've been making, how is it going to transition to playing a, a, a hot team, a red hot team like Michigan right now? So, Juan, I know you got a young one, but it's an early tip. So 7 p.m. on Tuesday for you, 7 p.m. <laughs> Eastern. So that's better because I know we've had some of the 8 o'clock Central, which means 9 o'clock for you. And when you got little ones, good luck with that, right? Yeah, yeah, I know, right? I know, right? He has rabbit ears. He can hear explosion outside, but if I rip... Uh, a tissue or anything like that he'll he'll wake up right on the nose <laughs> well fatherhood's fun man I, i'm enjoying it and awesome. I, I can't wait to to get down to champagne and and um and have him with me so i'm looking forward to it gotta gotta put that ball in his hand i gotta put him around as much basketball as possible absolutely so i'm hoping man i'm hoping <laughs> Corey. i kept you long but I, I love talking with you great to catch up you are the first you too man first person in the fourth and kirby alani legends collection and that's that's a big word legend but i think if you ask most alani fans they they would say yep yep Corey, Corey is certainly one of those and i'm hey i'm I say it half tongue in cheek, but uh, yeah, if you guys do any sort of gathering this summer and you're looking for someone to facilitate, absolutely, man. I definitely let you know. We, we, we definitely, <laughs> we, we've, we've definitely been, we definitely been talking about it, man. I know Nate mentioned it, and and then he's like, "Oh wow, it sure has been. God, it's been that long, you know." And um, so yeah, we we definitely want to, and we wanted to to link up regardless if we didn't. But it would be nice to have their reunion. I think that's amazing. something that we should have every summer. To be honest with you, man, it should be some type of reunion basketball wise, whether it's big or small, because it's always a good turnout and it's always um, good to reconnect with everybody. And cause you know, everybody got their own thing going on, but it's always good to decompress and get back to, to U of I days and everybody with that orange and blue on, man. Cause it's, it, it's a good feeling and a good time. Yeah. For everybody. Yeah. And, and the vibes are good right now around the program. And, and also right. just, just after the last year being able to finally catch up, not on zoom, not on the phone, but actually see right. people's faces again. That That's going to be Absolutely. a trip. Corey, uh, com. T-shirts coming out Wednesday. I got mine on pre-order. I'm going to be rocking it probably every like every other day <laughs> in the month of March, and uh, it's exciting. I would have bought I would have bought one of your likenesses back in the day, but um, now you finally get to capitalize on your uh, fame from Illinois basketball. Twenty years later, absolutely. You get, you I'm, get a I'm chance. happy, man. I, I'm just happy to just to have have my ugly face on one of these shirts, man. So I'm 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 excited, man. You know, like I said, man, it might not better your three point percentage, but you look good wearing it, though. That's right. It's certainly not going to improve my game at all. I don't have any game to speak of, but I will be looking good at least, no doubt. Corey, take absolutely. care, man. We'll talk soon, and uh, it should be a fun March. Definitely, man. Thanks for having me. All right, absolutely. Corey Bradford joining us here on the 200 level. Appreciate it as always. And we we spoke with Corey uh, back in late March last year after the pandemic hit. And we were trying to think, well, what do we do? Well, let's reach out to some old friends from whether it be the 93.5 days or people that I'd caught up with or just, you know, kind of chatted every so often on Twitter. So Corey was, I think, the first person we had 
in that you know four or five month stretch where we did more interview based stuff. And uh, great to have him for an interview about his new T-shirt. And I'm serious, like I I got one already on pre-order. It is coming, and you will want to get one as well. And I'll be rocking this shirt for much of the month. Uh, yeah, I I know it's very shameless to be like, hey Corey, uh, could you put my name in the hat for the MC of that event? I I <laughs> I know it's probably not realistic, but it would. I'm trying to think if that would be the coolest thing professionally to ever happen to me. It would be. Yeah, absolutely. If I could facilitate a 2001 Fighting Illini basketball reunion and and do the whole interviewing kind of thing, get four or five guys on the stage, get a panel kind of thing going. Yeah, that would be the professional highlight of my life. That's not hyperbole. That would be it. Um, I would trade in the Foo Fighters thing for that, I think. Dead serious. Uh, okay, we're going to wrap things up here. This podcast coming at you on a Sunday evening. You might be listening to it on a Monday morning. This is also your pre-Michigan podcast. We won't be back until Tuesday night. And we'll figure out how to do the second half pod of that. Um, we for sure will have Trevor and Isaac. We might try to get one other person on. I'll, I'll try to leave that as a surprise if we can. We'll find out if IO plays or does not. That, of course, is the big storyline. But we enter a final week of the regular season. That is super exciting, and because of what happened yesterday, not nearly as nail-biting. We can sit back, we can watch, we can see where this team's at, and have fun doing it. And if they get a win, or if they get two wins, oh my God. I mean, listen, it's possible. And the fact that we're having these conversations is pretty amazing when you consider the last decade of Illinois basketball. We are back. Enjoy it. Relish this moment. I know I am. Before we get out of here, the 200 level is brought to you by DP Doe online at dpdoe.com. Use coupon code Mike for $5 calzones at dpdoe.com. They'll deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana, dpdoe.com. Fourth and Kirby, Corey Bradford t-shirt coming out Wednesday. Use coupon code 200 level for 10% off your order at fourthandkirby.com. Got to thank State Farm Agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. Life, auto, home, business, renters, you name it. Brian and his staff will hook you up with great State Farm prices and personalized service. Brianismyguy.com. And finally, rectorconstruction.com. That's R-E-C-T-O-R construction.com. From a new roof, crawl space inspection, everything in between. That's rectorconstruction.com for a free estimate today. All right. Got to get out of here. Alana Inquirer, Champagne Showers Podcast Network. Thank you guys for your partnership. Thank you listeners for making us part of your podcast rotation. Hope you enjoyed that interview with Corey. I sure did. Always fun to catch up with him. Uh, You are hearing Decadence out of your head from our latest album, Fever Dreams, anywhere music is streaming. We'll see you Tuesday night. It's a big one. Stay healthy, stay safe. It is the 200 level.